Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King Cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. This week, I will be continuing my top 10 Stephen King lists. Last episode, I examined Stephen King's top 10 heroes. Now, I will be exploring his top 10 villains. But first, I will read a review. I'm sorry, a, a listener email. Uh... No, actually, I will be shamelessly plugging my my own stories. So over the last couple episodes of the Stephen King cast, I have uh, revealed to the world that I am fortunate enough to have published a handful of stories in publications, uh, different different publications, um, three of which uh, you'll be able to, to, to download now, one of which you'll have to wait until the end of August, but I'll put it on your radar, and hopefully by the time August rolls around, um, there'll, be, there'll be more updates with more stories that, that, that you'll be able to, um, that you'll be able to, to download or, or procure uh, the, the old-fashioned way. So if you have enjoyed uh, my output and my thoughts on Stephen King, if you have enjoyed um, listening to me and my thoughts on the horror genre, then then I would really appreciate uh, any support that you could give, um, not towards my analysis, but my my actual uh, my own creativity. So if uh, if you are interested, then I'm going to give you some some options to some different stories and different publications. Uh, so you can head on over to Amazon to to get all of these, and all you would need to do is just type in Dark Moon Digest number 22. So this is the 22nd issue of Dark Moon Digest, which is edited by uh, Laurie Michelle and Max Booth the third. Uh, and you, if you want to read my story immediately, then download it to your Kindle or your smartphone, um, any portable device. Or if you wanted to just sit on the couch and read an actual magazine, then you can do that as well, and you can have it sent to your, your abode. Um, another story uh, um, that I have had published um, is can be found in Nine Tales Told in the Dark, published by Bride of Chaos, um, uh, available now through Amazon uh, Kindle. Um, and I realize that I, I haven't actually... Uh, <laughs> I haven't actually said what, uh, what, what the titles of the, the, the stories are. So in uh, Dark Moon Digest, you can read my story, Room 207. Uh, in Nine Tales Told in the Dark, issue number nine, you can read my story, This World Will Eat You All the Way Up. Um, in the anthology Wax and Wayne, A Gathering of Witch Tales, uh, edited by David T. Neal from Nose Touch Press, you'll be able to read my um, witch-inspired short story, Hopscotch. And uh, coming this August, um, uh, make sure that you have the, the, the magazine Trysts of Fate, uh, edited by Leanne Story on your radar. Um, the, the short story Forget Me Not will be available in, in, in that particular publication. And like I said, hopefully by the time Trysts of Fate rolls around, um, there will be uh, more options um, and more stories for you to, to choose from. So I hope you like them. I've enjoyed writing them. Um, 
and uh, you can always shoot me an email to, to let me know what we think of them. But uh, support these uh, these publishers, and I would love I would love the support um, thrown my way as well. And while we're on the topic of support, if you wanted to head on over to iTunes and uh, leave a review, um, that would be fantastic. And you can always write to me at Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. And now it's time for our listener email. Um, and let's see, we have Colin who writes, Heil Podslinger, constant listener here. Have you called us that yet? You totally should, and I probably should. A fellow Tower Junkie dropping by to tell you how much I dig the podcast. I'm hooked on listening to podcasts all throughout my trek to work, and yours is perfect. I'm not sure if it's ever been told to you, but I think the length of your episodes are terrific. Normally, I'd have to stock up on four to five episodes of any other given show to get through the day, but the hour-plus episodes you put out make my life that much easier. I wanted to comment on something and then ask you to partake in a little Stephen King recruitment game. First off, when describing the Marston House, the house on Nybold Street and the Dutch Hill Mansion, you often call them thinnies, and this has always confused me. I was wondering if you would reconsider that these places in the many worlds of the Kingverse are, in fact, not thinnies at all. I mean, they are definitely portals, right? Blights on existence, dark areas bled over from the red. And since they act as portals, technically you could describe reality as thin there. But an actual thinny, I figure, is something different. Think of the thinny in Eyebolt Canyon, or the one of the Katet approaches in Topeka. The two of them are described as the same. That weird, murky, silverly light with that same warbling noise. It's made clear that the thinny will kill you if you approach it or go in. There isn't any getting out of it. In fact, it's capable of snatching people up in those weird tendrils. I think the portals and the thinny are similar in the sense that they both are caused by the erosion of worlds, compounded by the attempted breaking of the beams. But they are two very different things. A portal is thin between worlds, but it's not a thinny. This has come off as snobby. I didn't mean to. I just figured that a thinny is a monster in its own right. And Colin, you are absolutely correct. Um, this is something that I, I kind of caught uh, during the reread, um, especially when I got to Wizard and Glass. And I don't know if I mentioned in Wizard and Glass. I, I, I don't remember. But yeah, I, I wish I could go back and re-record those earlier episodes because I was really off off the mark on that one um but you are totally right and i'm glad that you wrote in um just so whether i, I said it before or not I, I can make it i can um you know definitely clarify a little bit more here um that yes uh there is a difference between areas where the uh the the fabric between worlds is thin and then the thinny itself because you're right you're right the thinny is a monster in its own right and then Colin continues, Secondly, let's try something a bit more fun. You've mentioned a few times that throughout your reading of The Dark Tower, you hoped for an eventual team-up of the best of the best Stephen King heroes to unite to take down the forces of the Red. I felt the same way, mainly because Jack Sawyer never got a chance to meet up with Roland and the others, at least not yet. One of my favorite things about Stephen King books was that a lot of them included the power that comes with a group of friends. Salem's Lot was the first I read that made me stop and think, whoa, it's like a little Jerusalem's Lot. Justice league uh then it was on to the losers club and all the way to the dark tower uh when king finally named this quartet i lost it the idea of those bound by a destiny is something that i particularly love about his works so i've got two games for you in the same vein and i want everyone to play that's me saying that i want everyone to play your task to create two tets across the entirety of stephen king's bibliography your first tet requires you to create a new quartet of gunslingers on a parallel quest to save the tower. 
What four Stephen King characters would you put together and why? The catch is they cannot be gunslingers themselves. Example, no Cuthbert, no Jake Chambers, no Jamie DeCurry, and who would be Din? The second tet requires you to create a team of psychics. Let's say a villain comes across who can only be defeated by those with that psychic power that's prevalent across the world. What four people would you put together? Why those folks? This can be anyone who utilizes any strange psychic abilities, whether the shining, the touch, or that whirly-whirly track-down thing uh, that Pete can do in Dreamcatcher. Thanks again for all the episodes. The work you do is incredible, and I'm so very excited to have all of the Stephen King analysis to listen to. Thank you for doing it. Uh, you do a terrific job. I don't know. The, let's let's talk about the first tet. Um, I had emailed Colin. I don't remember the the, the four gunslingers that that I would have put together. I I know that I definitely would put Alan Pangborn on that list. So let's say Alan Pangborn. Um, and then, God, who, who else could I put? Um, Alan would definitely be on there. This is tricky. Let me, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. But I do know that the team of psychics would be Jack Sawyer, Danny Torrance, uh, and an adult, Charlie McGee, uh, and Charlie and, uh, Danny, uh, they would be together possibly with a child because I think that that would be fun. So Danny Torrance, Charlie McGee, um, uh, Jack Sawyer, and who else do we have? Who's one Who's one more character that, that I could throw in there? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, um, but definitely those three. Ted Brodigan. Ted Brodigan. I mean, of course, Ted Brodigan. So those would be uh, definitely my four uh, team of psychics. Um, but the the content of Gunslingers, that's great. But definitely Alan Pangborn, um, Larry Underwood. Larry Underwood would be great. Um, and, and, and let me think about that. Uh, but everyone else, I, I definitely want you to... Um, to give me your, uh, your, your, your list of, of content... Um, members that that would create a, a new gunslinger, new, new bunch of gunslingers, because that that'll be a fun exercise to for me to share on the air. So guys, here we go. We're gonna get into our um, best Stephen King villains, and there's I can only say ten. So I had to whittle down this to, to ten, and this this was hard. This was hard, and I'll definitely give some honorable mentions. But uh, all right, ten ten of Stephen King's best villains. And this man has made a fortune creating villains. So let's just get into it. Number 10, I would say, is one of his newest. And no, it's not Brady Hartfield. Uh, this is a character that, that shows up in his collection of short stories from 2015, The Bazaar of Bad Dreams, in a short little story that, that shares the, the same name as the villain himself. And that is... The bad little kid. I think that this character is so much fun. I think that this character is such a little awful monster with a lot of personality um, and strangely vulnerable while being just everywhere and having supernatural powers. I, I In my review of Bizarre of Bad Dreams, I think that it was clear that I, I loved, loved this short story. It felt like vintage King felt like it could have definitely come out in the 80s uh and i just love how this this little kid just kind of like looks 
like what do you expect a little bully to look like but i love bad little kid enough to put him on what i believe is stephen king's top 10 villains list and i would say that number nine is a character that uh though she wasn't in many stephen king books she was only in one her actions rippled throughout the entire cosmos uh, as and, and she stands to be one of the most important figures in all of Stephen King's works because of the the profound impact that she had not only on the the life of of uh, an amazing Stephen King character but because of of what that did to him and what that did to him changed the multiverse and this particular character i uh, pulls from what some classic iconography in in our own world um and that is the the iconography of the witch and of course ladies and gentlemen i am talking about Rhea the coos Rhea the witch who is responsible for the death of Roland's two loves of his life, his his lover and his mother. Uh, it is it is Rhea who is really the she really in in many ways is the true villain of the Dark Tower series. And I, I remember in my review of, of Wizard and Glass, I said it's too bad that we never saw her again. But the fact of the matter is we don't have to see her again. In the short time that that Roland knew her, in the most formative stage of his life, he she ruined him. She absolutely destroyed any chance that he had at, at normalcy or or peace or or what have you. She sent him on a path that led to quite literally eternal damnation, having to restart his his quest over and over and over again with all of the bloodshed that comes along with it. And that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Rhea's machinations and her involvement in his life. And she's just so thoroughly sinister. Uh, she's a great character and villainous enough to, to crack the, the top ten. Number eight uh, was is one of the characters that, that has gone down in history of one of Stephen King's greatest characters, period. Uh, famously played by uh, an actress who walked home with an Academy Award, uh, solidifying the, the legitimacy of, of Stephen King characters in terms of um, Hollywood uh, Academy voters, um, as well as establishing the, the actress's claim on, on, on just being a, a solid actress. Um, and of course, I'm talking about Annie Wilkes, the, the fanatic fan of Misery Chastain, from from the, the 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 novel misery and annie is great because like i said in my review of misery she is the the fanboy and it doesn't matter whether it's it's a, a trekkie or whether it's a uh what do x-files people call themselves uh, x x-file I don't, I don't know but it, it doesn't matter like think of a something with a, a rabid fan base and there's an annie wilkes in in there and so for stephen king to write about the the trappings of fame and the danger of fandom at the height of his popularity that i mean she is an important historical figure in that sense um, and her her villainy is legendary and has secured her uh, the number eight spot. 
Number seven, uh, I probably should have hit, I should have probably uh, bumped up higher, but this character, I was shocked at my reread at, at how much I responded negatively to him for all of the right reasons, how thoroughly awful he was, and um, he just got under my skin, guys, and that's Todd. It's Todd Bowden from Apt Pupil. He just creeps me out. I think that the fact that you have this, enti not entitled, but privileged you have this privileged kid that could never want for anything and would have had a perfectly happy life with all the comforts that wealth and good looks and athletics and uh there's the the, the right place at the right time will, will give you and he throws it all of the way to just revel in in just becoming evil for the sake of becoming evil. And it, it's awful. It's awful. And he just, with this character, King really explores some pretty terrible aspects of humanity that someone seeks out Nazism. And not necessarily Nazism, but uses Nazism ooh, to, to really just torture people. It's terrible. It's terrible. He's a terrible character. <laughs> um, but he's a great villain. Our number six uh, is a character that has a, I don't know, he's like a fairy tale character, an abductor of children. He reminds me of the um, when when Pinocchio gets gets abducted and uh, just locked in in the cage in in Pinocchio. Um, so he's a character that that crushes the the dreams of children in the pages of the Talisman, and that is. Um, Osmond and his twinner, Sunlight Gardener, um, who just, like I said, he's just like this evil, evil fairy tale, fairy tale villain. Even though he isn't the the main baddie in in that book, he's the one that really steals the show, and he's the one that that has the most emotional impact uh, because it's it's because of him that that wolf dies, which just rips our our hearts out. So definitely, definitely, Osmond slash Sunlight Gardener. And up next, we have we have someone that just, ah, uh, I mean, you you read this character, and there isn't a page that goes by where you don't wish you were in Stephen King's uh, book, so you could punch this character in the face repeatedly. And whether it's on page or on film, uh, this character is just so thoroughly not just loathsome, but just aggravatingly annoying at all times uh like i said it plays well on the page and it plays well very well on the screen as well um someone that is just mean for the sake of being mean pain in the ass for the sake of being a pain in the ass um and 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 that is percy whitmore god this guy sucks and he's such a great stephen king villain i mean you can tell you can tell that king realized that he had a just a gold mine with that character and he could just wrench any emotion he wanted to with Percy and I mean with Percy we were able to see the better qualities of humanity with with the contrast uh contrasted with the other characters but man um Percy just in many ways like Todd and and some of the other characters on this list he just revels in the anguish of of other humans around him just and and in that in in that desire to cause anguish to other humans, it just really shows the lack of his own humanity. So Percy is our number five, which brings us to our number four, the oldest character uh, in in Stephen in the in Stephen King's villains list. Uh, the the very very 
first Stephen King villain, the legendary, immortalized, dirty pillows, <laughs> they're all going to laugh at you, Margaret White, played famously by Piper Laurie, uh, and she does a great job, but the, the character, both on paper and on film, uh, is so thoroughly heinous, and Stephen King has gone on to to write of religious zealotry on on numerous occasions, but there's something so potent and powerful with his his first stab at it, uh, no pun intended. Uh, that and he just he shows how warped um, religion can be when you couple religion with um, mental illness. And uh, Margaret is is just awful, and she's an awful, awful thoroughly awful character that has no redeeming qualities um as a human being um and at least our number three and our number two characters don't have the excuse of of not having humanity because they're not really human um well our number three is a little bit more human than our number two uh but guys our number three is one of Stephen King's most popular characters. The character is so popular that he couldn't be contained to just one book and has popped up in numerous books under numerous names with numerous um, plans and schemes. Uh, he's, he's the most devilish character uh, in, in the works of Stephen King. Um, just a little imp that jumps from book to book and plot to plot and world to world and time to time, just causing chaos as he goes and just reveling, reveling in it. And that, of course, is call him what you will. Call him the man in black. Call him Walter Paddock. Call him Walter O'Dim. Call him Richard Fannin. Um, or the one that I know him by, Randall Flagg. Guys, Flag. I have spent more time talking about Flag than any other character in in the works of Stephen King. So, I think that you're not surprised that he's on the list. You're probably surprised that he's not number one. Um, but I, I just feel that in terms of villainy, there are others that are more villainous than than him. He's certainly a villain in uh, the Stand, but he is he is a, a MacGuffin in uh, the gunslinger. He is mysterious in the wastelands. He is um, just an illusion, really, in the wizard in glass. Um, and ultimately, he's just he's a joke. And that's the thing is that that's the big reveal that this is this character really is a joke. So once we get to the end of of this particular character, we have to take the end and and kind of build the entire context of him, and we realize that he's not meant to be the ultimate evil. Um, and there are characters that are much more evil than him that that need to go uh, in the number one and number two spots. But his his function as the 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 misdirect and um, the red herring as to where he's gonna where King would go with that character just to subvert it and really kind of speak on what we think our real villains are I think that that's genius and I think that um, he is he fits in very well in our number three spot and I think that's very fitting for Randall Flagg because he himself would consider himself to be number one so the fact that he isn't even number two I think that number three is is where he he deserves to be our number two needs to be number two um, or number one because this character represents 
all of the horrors that Stephen King has played with, all of the unfathomable um, horrors that you you cannot comprehend, distilled to to one uh, amorphous, uh, shape shifting evil that is beyond our comprehension. Um, this is basically a thesis personified, and of course, I am talking about Pennywise the Dancing Clown from it who is more than just a killer clown there have been so many killer clowns throughout fiction and pennywise is not just a a a killer clown it is a creature like i said it is the it's a concept of what horror is and this is a character that stephen king put in place so he could explore the genre that made him famous so of course pennywise is gonna be well i guess we were probably surprised that he's not number one but um And maybe he should be number one, or maybe it should be number one. Excuse me, I need to use the right pronoun. Uh, But it's not. Um, The number one I decided to put on there because of the world that we're living in and because this particular character serves as a fable um, for us. Um, I think that putting number one, uh, the character that that I put as our number one, it's a big warning for all of us. and this is Big Jim Rennie. Watch out for the real Big Jim Rennies of the world because they are out there, guys. And they don't need to have run-down cowboy boots. They don't need to have um, a clown suit. They don't need to be a, a spider. They don't need to be thoroughly insane and thump their Bibles. They don't have to have mental conditions and and and, and want to work and abuse the... Uh, the inmates they don't need to be twinners to demonic evil slavers they don't need to be worshipers of nazis or crazy uh fanboys or fangirls they don't need to be witches or impish little interdimensional bullies sometimes they just need to be alpha males or alpha females um who are able to inspire the worst in others um by just whipping up the 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 worst aspects of ourselves and exploiting anger and hate and prejudice and making scapegoats in order to build themselves up um stephen king is often written of bullies and i would say that big jim rennie is the greatest bully that that he ever wrote because he represents a type of bully that we see in our society um, a lot and we see um, we see a lot in politics and he's saying watch out with Big Jim Rennie with honorable mention to Greg Stilson from the Dead Zone who came before Big Jim Rennie's real and that's why he's the greatest Stephen King villain is because he's he's too real it's it was very very disturbing to reread under the dome guys because it's just too close to reality it makes me appreciate it that much more where i can just i don't want to say just kind of relax and read about children being eaten by a spider clown because that's fantasy that's fiction you read about big jim rennie and you take the dome away yeah, I mean, there's a Big Jim Rennie in every town. There's a Big Jim Rennie everywhere. Big Jim Rennie, you can't escape him. And I don't think that we can escape the Big Jim Rennies. But we can identify them. 
and make sure that they're contained where they need to be. So I'm not going to bring politics into it, guys, but Big Jim Rennie is out there, and I'm just saying let's, let's watch out for the Big Jim Rennie, and please let's not give him power if he does not need it because um, Big Jim Rennie scares the hell out of me. Honorable mentions for Stephen King villains. Um, Atropos, one of the, the three fates from Insomnio, is just so crazy. The fact that he is this this little little thing with sharp teeth and just a rusty knife running around, cutting off the, the life cords, it's just so it's so out there, it's so imaginative, um, and he's so just vile, you know, in foul language, like he's disgusting. It just he's a great character. Um, George Stark, of course, is just, he is Richard Bachman. He probably should have been in the top 10 because he is the personification of Richard Bachman, which in of itself is a very profound thing. Leland Gaunt is the closest that Stephen King has come to writing of the devil, selling souls. Um, can't help but love Leland Gaunt. Tack was a great Lovecraftian interdimensional, um, creature. Mr. Munchen, I believe, was the last great Stephen King monster that was just a monster before Stephen King got into the habit of, of really exploring monsters and evil as being pathetic. Blaine probably should have been on the list because Blaine was just an insane train. I mean, the fact he was able to pull that off, that definitely deserves, at the very least, an honorable mention. John Rainbird is probably one of the greatest... Uh, Stephen King villains that is never talked about. Uh, the fact that his goal simply was to befriend the most powerful being in the world um, just to get her off her guard and watch in her eyes as her new friend kills her. That's a pretty sick... That's Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a gross and just twisted goal for a man to have. Charlie Jacobs uh, is one of the, the more... This is the most recent... Uh, villain in, in the list of honorable mentions from Revival, who is a completely different kind of villain. This is not your your evil monster villain. This is a broken man who was given um, a tragedy in life, and we watched it turn him into a villain. Christine. Christine um, is the personification of, of teenage love um, and obsession and she's she's fantastic. Andre Linoge, as much as I made fun of that guy, Andre Linoge still um, and the, is a great villain. And he's one that never appeared in a book. I mean, he was written primarily uh, first and foremost for the, the small screen and Calm Fior brought him to life and you know yes he has a little bit too many catchphrases but still there's no denying the fact that he was an incredible villain and lastly the overlook it's the hotel itself the overlook guys is legendary and the fact that a giant hotel um in of itself um is a villain should be noted so those are my honorable mentions um so agree disagree why don't you write in to Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com and tell me who you think the greatest Stephen King villains of all time are and tell me why. And um, while you're at it, feel free to write in uh, and, and assemble your, your gunslingers and your psychics and, and let, uh, let me know. So, may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.